along with the lesson from Isaiah, today's message is about verse 2 of come thou fount of every blessing. And so I'm going to read that for you as we begin. I'm using one verse each Sunday of this Advent season. So hear the words again. Here I raise my Ebenezer, which is a stone of remembrance, in case you were not aware. It's from First Samuel, a symbol of God's strength. Hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. It was the fall of 2001, my sophomore year in high school. I had survived my freshman year in large part because a lot of the friends I grew up with went to the same high school I went to. So I knew a number of people. But it was in my sophomore year that things got difficult. My friends and I grew apart as we matured. It wasn't anything in particular, but I'm the kind of person who can fit into any crowd but never really belongs never really feels like he's at home in that crowd or or with that group. There's an old saying in Proverbs, you are the company you keep. But if you hang around no one, in particular regularly, if you're often from group to group, does that make you nobody? Does it make you no one? It's a hard place to be, not only as a teenager, but as, as an individual, It's hard when you start to wonder, does anybody really care about me? Do I really matter? When I am frail and broken, weak, is anybody going to be willing to sit with me in those dark moments when I have nothing of value to offer? It's a hard place to be. You start to wonder, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just not wearing the right clothes. I'm not cool enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. And so I was forced to ask a question, a question that, that everybody who has come before me in history has asked, and everyone who comes after me will also have to ask at one time or another in some way or another, who am I and do I matter? It's a question we all have to wrestle with at some point. We all want to know that our lives are important. We want to know that we matter. We want someone or something to tell us that our lives have been worthwhile, that we're worth the life we have been given. We want to prove to ourselves, to others, to God that that we matter. See, this isn't a new question or a new revelation. People have been wrestling with the question of what makes a life worthy or worthwhile since the very beginning. You can read about it in ancient philosophies or in the book of Ecclesiastes. People want to know, does my life matter? Do I matter? Sometimes when we're 
getting through the day to day. It can feel like we're in the, the deep end of a pool or in the middle of the ocean, just trying to hold it together. Every day is just treading water, trying to get by, prove that we're good enough, that we're worth enough, that we're strong enough. And the religions of our world tell, throw you a, a ladder or a flotation device. They say, here you go, pull yourself out, find the edge and prove that you're worthy. Prove it, show that you're good enough. Sometimes even churches fall into this trap. Prove to Jesus that you're worthy by by turning your life around and then he'll accept you. Prove you're worthy to God by by knowing all the right answers, by being able to answer all the, the doctrinal questions the right way. Prove that you're worthy to God by having that authentic conversion experience. See, every religion tries to give you some tools to prove your worth to God. There are three common ways we do this or some combination of them. The first is morality, right? Make sure you're you're following the Ten Commandments as well as you can. Or in Islam, follow the five pillars. Or if you don't believe in God, then be a good person. Have your goods outweigh your bads, right? Be a, a good moral person. Prove your worth. The second way is through intelligence or special knowledge. And, and sometimes it's a trap for us as Lutherans because we're good at theology. We're good at knowledge. We're good at, at knowing the right spiritual answers. But it's, it's a trap because you can never prove your worth through mental acumen, through being smart enough. Even if you're a scientist, if you have the top in your field, it doesn't make you more worthy to God than, than the quadriplegic or the, the child with Down syndrome or somebody else who, who has an intelligence in another field. It doesn't make you any better. The third way is through emotional experience or, or spiritual experience. It's that have that conversion moment. Prove it by, prove your worth by, by transcending reality. You know, it, that's the Buddhist way, right? It's empty yourself and you'll become one with God. Or it's, it's the non-denom church that, that says, if you come to our worship and you experience the right music, you'll feel God's presence. But then what happens when that Sunday comes and you don't feel anything? You don't want to sing. Does that mean you're not worthy to God anymore? See, every religion tells you to prove yourself, prove your worth, prove you're good enough, prove you're smart enough, prove you're emotional enough, you're mature enough, you've had the right experience. Now, morality and intelligence and experience aren't bad things. Christianity takes all of these into account. But true, authentic Christianity says something different. It says that God takes the initiative in his relationship with us. God's action trumps human effort. See, we're never good enough to reach up to God. That's why God came into our world. That's why he came here for us. The story of the manger, the cross, and the crown of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection show how far God was willing to come for us. See, as we hear this story, as we remember this message, we we need to be reminded that God doesn't say, prove you're worthy, prove that you deserve my love. God declares you are loved. That's a, a passive word. See, it's not something you earn, it's not something you do, it's something God declares about you, that, that you 
have his grace. You have his love. You have his affection. You have his care. He doesn't say to earn it. He says it's already yours. You have been claimed as his child, and he has declared you worthwhile. See, we sing about that in so many hymns. Hear it again in the words of Come Now Fountain, verse 2. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit have declared you loved. They have said you are worthy. See, God didn't wait to come and find you until you had sought after him. He didn't come and wait to, to come and get you until you'd proven you were worthy enough. But while you had wandered, while you and I had wandered from the fold of God, while we were his enemies and sinners, he interposed his blood. He gave his life for your life. He claimed you. So there I was, this awkward teenager who belonged nowhere, didn't know what to do, desperate to be a part of something, desperate to feel like I mattered. So I started listening to the music of one group, saying, listen to me, I matter. I started dressing like another group, saying, look at me, I matter. I'm worth something. I joined a sports team and we had success. I said, look at what we've done. I matter. But no matter what I did, the inner voice chimed in louder. Love me. Respect me. Admire me. Value me. I need something. See, I felt the emptiness, the brokenness. No matter how hard I tried, I could never be good enough. No matter how smart I was, I could never have all the answers. No matter what experiences I went through, the, the pleasure or the joy came, but it faded. It never got me out of the situation. I felt broken, desperate. I felt alone. I felt abandoned, not only by my friends, but by God. I felt like I was in the darkness alone. I was desperate for anyone to tell me that I mattered. I was desperate to be someone, to be something, to be anything. It was around this time that, that things only got worse. The, the friends that I had grown up with, those relationships had degenerated into nothing more than acquaintances. Two ships passing in the night. It was around that time that I asked out a girl who laughed and said, did you think you were good enough for me? It was at that time that, that my only living grandparent died. It was in those moments that some of my siblings went through their darkest nights. The world seemed dark. Everything felt empty. I sat in fear 
that I was worthless, not only to myself, but to God and to the, uh, to the world, that, that I had nothing to offer, that I didn't matter. It was in those moments that I needed words like those of Isaiah from today to be true. I needed to hear somebody say that the root of Jesse will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Because I was the needy. I was the poor in spirit. I was the broken and the weak. I had nothing left to give. I needed to hear Jesus say that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the broken, for they will be healed. Blessed are those who mourn, for their tears will be wiped away. I needed to hear that message of hope. I needed something. See, it was in, that, in those dark nights that I really wrestled with my faith. I remember a night where I came home, and it was sometime in that fall. I remember asking God, why did you make me? I feel so worthless. I feel like there's nothing to me. If this is all there is, if this is all you have in store for me, I'm not sure I want it. And so in my youth and my rationalization, I remember saying, God, I'm going to read scripture cover to cover. And if there is anything to this, you will show it to me. And if not, I'm done. I'm done with faith. I'm done with you. I may even be done with life. I'm not sure that I want to go on. Now, I'm not the kind of person who makes those kind of statements, who says those kinds of things lightly. I follow through with what I say. And so I read, and I read, and I read. And as the weeks passed into months, I know that, that I had heard the gospel a thousand times before. I, I know that because I, I know the way my dad preaches. I know that I'd heard that message of the gospel but it was in those times that it finally became clear to me. I heard God speaking on every page. You are my beloved child. I came for you. I died for you. I rose for you. You matter. In those dark moments, when you feel like no one is there, I am sitting with you. The crucified Lord knows what it's like to be where you are. I promise to be with you. Your life matters. I created you with purpose. I, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, do not do things without intention. I don't do things flippantly. I created you for a reason. You matter. I created you. I love you. I will redeem you. Your life has purpose. All of a sudden, the message flooded into my heart. I finally understood. And I continue to grow in that understanding day by day. But God creates each and every one of us for a purpose. I believe that if you are struggling to, to think about why you matter or why life matters or why you're here today, that God created you for a purpose. He created you with care. He created you with love. He did not flippantly make any one of us. God cares.
about each and every one of us. He cares so much that he entered into creation for you and for me. He came, condescended from heaven, entered into our broken world and said, you were worth dying for. You were worth suffering for. You were worth every bit of pain that, he, that I went through so that you matter. See, it, it's as I came to understand this, that, that this passage in Isaiah finally started to make sense to me. You see, it's not about my righteousness. It's not about me proving to God I'm lovable. But it's that Christ is righteousness in us. His perfection for ours. He is the one who redeems the weak. He is the one who lifts up the broken. He is the one who says that your life, has ma- that your life matters, that your life has purpose. So much so that he was willing to die for you. See, he came and he said, I came for the needy. I came for the broken. I came for the weak. You see, I work through those kind of people because there are no perfect people. There are no strong people. There are no righteous people. And so my righteousness works perfection in you. See, God comes and he says that you are loved more than you can possibly imagine. But you're also sent with more purpose than you could possibly know. God sent you here into this place. He sends you to the people you work with. He sends you to the people you're sitting next to, to the people you have relationships with. You matter. If you're ever at that point, stuck, wondering, who am I? Does my life matter at all? That's when you need to start thinking harder. You need to think about the story of God in Scripture. The story of what Jesus Christ has done. Of the God who said you were worth dying for. Who said you were worth suffering for. Who said that you were worth all the the pain and the anguish. Who says that you matter. See, we hear it in those songs. We hear it in Scripture. We hear it in the messages. And if you listen carefully, you'll hear it from those around you who remind you that, that you've had an impact on their lives. As we close by saying together, or praying together, verse, uh, verse two of Come Thou Fount, I want you to remember that, that this song sort of captures the essence of, of this message and of this season. So we raise our Ebenezer, we raise that symbol, a reminder of God's strength, God's salvation for us. We remember that it's by God's help that we come. We don't raise ourselves into righteousness, but God comes and he is the one who empowers us. We're reminded that we are his children. We come home because he has claimed us as his children. He is our heavenly father. We remember that we're only here. We're only saved. And we matter so much that he interposed. He gave his blood, his life for ours. Because you matter. You matter to God. Would you bow your head, or not bow your heads, would you look up and read the words of Come Thou Fount, verse 2, as a prayer with me. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interpose his precious blood. Amen.